that you're here today. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. You know, turn to your other neighbor and say, and you too. Go ahead. That's fine. Go ahead. You can do that for them. We really are glad that you're here today. We love, I, every Sunday to me is like the Super Bowl. I get really excited and I uh, can't wait to get up here and share with you guys. And here's what's interesting about this week is that we're on, a, last week I kind of thought we'd finish the Jabez series. I thought it was a two-message deal. And then we got done and I was doing my personal Bible study time on Monday and God said, mm, no, there's one more. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, Jabez, and I'm going to kind of go through and recap a little bit with you. But I want to let you know this as just a reminder. If you go to our website, there's about eight years worth of sermons on the website. Becky puts everything there. All the sermons from the past are on the website. The notes are there. There's also an app that we have for the church that you can put on your smartphone. You can download the sermons and listen to those there. So Send them, list them, pass them around to your friends, whatever you need to do, but there's no excuse not to go back. I don't know about you, but I'm a little slow, so sometimes I need to listen to things more than once, and uh, it really helps me, and so I encourage you to go back and refresh yourself with those. Have you got your Bibles this morning? Do you? Can you lift them up, smartphones, whatever? That'll work. Repeat after me. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I want you to know something. I love that video. Becky did an awesome job picking that out. It is so true. You know, we're in here. I want you to have a good time. I want you to come to church. I want you to laugh. I love our worship. I love a lot of the things that we do. But here's what's really important to us. I want you to leave knowing that you've been in God's presence. I want you to leave every week with something so that when you leave this place, you're closer to him. I don't want to just entertain you. I want you to, I want you to have fun because I love to have fun. I'm all about fun. But I also want us to be changed so that when we leave this place, we go out into a world that's full of darkness and we shine our lights and point people to Jesus. We want you to become the person that God's called you to be. We want you to experience all the fullness that God has for you because the truth is he wants that for you. And our goal is that you become a disciple, that you become a person that can help impact the world around them. You know, it's so easy in the world that we live in just to gripe and complain and curse the darkness and, oh, we're all, you know, everything's just terrible and everything's falling apart. And yet... God has placed us all here at this time in history to make a difference. And I believe that as we draw closer to him, as we become more of who he's called us to be, the world can change. And it happens when we allow him to live and work through us. And so as your pastors, that's our desire is that you know him. And so this message today is about that. And I'm going to do a little recap to catch us back up. And then we'll end the series. But I just want you to keep that in mind, that these messages are for you. These messages are for, are for you. And, and I know that every week there's somebody here that this is going to change your life. That God's going to do something or say something, and it might be just exactly what you need to change the rest of your forever. And so that's how we're approaching this today. Amen? So, so let's recap a little bit. Let me read the scripture. We've been talking about the prayer of Jabez, and we titled the series more. And we're going to read out of 1 Chronicles uh, chapter 4, verses 9 through 10. Now, remember, Chronicles is kind of a history book of a... Uh, how many of you have an old family Bible? I mean an old family Bible. 
Okay, there's probably a place in that that such and such married such and such and they had this kid and this was their cow and this was, the, you know, it's just got all kinds of stuff in it. That's kind of what Chronicles is like and it's a little bit dry. But it's amazing to me that in the middle of this book that could be seen as a little bit dry, there's this amazing story about Jabez. And here's, here we go. Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. And his mother named him Jabez, saying, because I bore him with pain. Jabez's name, translated in Hebrew, actually means pain. Now, Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my border, enlarge my territory, that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm, that it may not pain me. God, I want you to bless me, but I want your blessing not to bring me pain. Another translation says, God, bless me, but help me not to cause pain, which is very interesting considering his name is pain. And he says, God, I want you to bless me, but I don't want to hurt other people, and God, I also don't want to hurt myself. And notice what happened. He, he prayed this, and God granted him what he requested. Jabez prayed that, and God said yes. Now, Jabez knew where blessing came from. Blessing comes from God. God is the blessor and we are the blessee. So he went to the right place to get the blessing. But we also need to understand what blessing means. And the literal translation of blessing in this section of scripture is prosperity and success. And I don't know about you, but it sounds a little selfish to me. Jabez is saying, God, bless me indeed, which the Hebrew says is five exclamation marks. He's not kidding. He said, God, bless me. God, really, God, just pour it out on me. Bless me with prosperity, Lord. Bless me with success. And on the surface, that looks selfish. God, gimme, gimme, gimme. My name is Jimmy, right? And that's not what's happening. Because the Bible says that God granted his request. So the question last week was, why? Why? Because here's the thing we studied. Remember that that God is looking at our motives. And that's in your notes there. God is looking at our motives. God is looking at why we do things. The Bible tells us that man looks on the outside, but God looks at what? The heart, the secret heart. God knows really what's down inside of here. And so Jabez's motive was pure. And his motive was simply this, God, I want you to bless me so that I can bless others. That's why he asked for that. And we talked about Solomon who had a similar request. God came to him at nighttime. Can you imagine God coming to you and says, ask for whatever you want? That really happened to Solomon. And Solomon, like Jabez, said, God, bless me for other people. Give me wisdom to lead your people. Jabez says, God, bless me so that I can be a blessing to other people. Give me influence so that I can lead other people well. See, guys, here's the deal. The key to receiving God's blessing is having your motives right. And that's a heart thing. That is absolutely a heart thing. And so that's what we've covered the last couple of weeks. And again, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those messages again. I think they're very, very powerful. And so we know that God blessed Jabez because his heart was right and his motives were good. So here's what I want us to talk about today. This is the thing that God kind of wanted to sum all this up because here's the deal. 
Jabez was blessed. Solomon was blessed. And here's the truth. Right now in this room, many of you, God has blessed you more than you deserve. Is there anybody else in here that would say, God has blessed me more than I deserve? You prayed, you worked, you sought God, and then he blessed you more than you deserved. And as I was studying Monday in my quiet time, the Lord was showing me that, and he said, hey, what, what about the people, what about what happens when they get blessed? And I thought, well, that's a really good question, isn't it? Because most of us in life set these goals out there, and our goals kind of look something like this. Well, once I graduate from high school, I'm going to fill in the blank. Or once I get my first job, I'm going to. Or if I only had that promotion. Or if I could only get married. Or if I only had, and here's the thing, just to clue everybody in, it keeps going up, doesn't it? Because it doesn't matter how old you get. You're always striving for something. There's, that's just the truth. And, and so I, my thought was, as I was watching this, I was thinking, how did Jabez live after God blessed him? God bless Solomon, now what? So here's the big thought today. It's in your notes and it's up on the screen. What do you do with the blessing once you receive it? In other words, how do I live now that God has blessed me? What do I do with my blessings, my wealth and my influence? Because I want you to understand something today. God's desire is to bless us. But what are you going to do once he does? I think it's a really good question. And so as I began to study a little bit more, I went to Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm going to read that for you here. And uh, look at your notes. Number one on your notes is redeem the time. You can write that down in your notes or if you're on your iPad or whatever. Redeem the time. Ephesians 5.16 says this. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to redeem the time because the days are evil. Now, we don't use the term redeem very much, and I'm going to give you guys an idea of what redemption is. I'm going to give you the biblical definition. It will make a lot more sense. But we need to understand when Paul's talking to the church at Ephesus, there was an expectation that Jesus is coming back at any moment. And the world around us is messed up, and we need to redeem the time because we don't know how much time that we have. See, here's the truth. We all live like we've got forever, don't we? In other words, how many of you have said something like, I'll get to it tomorrow? Come on, let's be honest. Ladies, how many husbands do your uh, projects you've got for your husband right now? And he said, I'll get to it tomorrow. Come on, let's get real right now. This is actually not a church service. This is an intervention. I'm here to help you, ladies. Okay? But seriously, we put things off, don't we? Why? Because there's an expectation that there's going to be tomorrow. And and now, listen, God and I had this conversation Monday. On Thursday, uh, it was time for us to have some some medical updates and appointments. And so they sent a nurse nurse in from out of town, and she did just a normal physical. She actually did it here at the church. But when she came to me, she decided to hook me up to a little bitty EKG machine. It was about this big. And so she hooked me up to the EKG machine, and and everything's cool. And she said, just lay there and relax. And the machine's over there beeping and buzzing and doing its thing. And then she goes, hmm. (laughs) How many of you know that when you're at the doctor and they go, hmm, you might want to pay attention? Right? And so she said, just lay there. We're going to try this again. 
And so I sit there for a few more minutes, and then she says, hmm. (laughs) She said, now I'm going to print this out, and what I want you to do is go to your doctor tomorrow, and I would like you to show this to them. Because I've never seen anything like this before. (laughs) You don't have a heart. No, she didn't say that. But can I just tell you, guess where I was is 8 o'clock Friday morning. I sat there, and and that was about 8 o'clock, 7 or 8 o'clock on Thursday night. So about 12 hours later, guess who's the first one at the doctor's office, right? And I walk in, I said, hey, here's what went on, and and I handed them my deal, and and it wasn't like 10 seconds till the side door opens, and I don't even have an appointment. And they said, come on back here. And they hooked me up to another EKG machine. Right? Yeah. Hmm. (laughs) And so I'm sitting there. Now, now y'all, I've had 12 hours to think about this, and what are the words? Just relax. So Dr. Jackson comes in, looks at it. He goes, you're fine, man. He goes, one of the deals the lady had hooked up wasn't hooked up right, and it gave a false message here. He said, you're okay. And then he began to explain to me what all these little lines and stuff went, what they meant. He goes, you're okay. But can I tell you something? I think that was a God thing for today. Because in those moments, what do you think I was thinking about? Rhonda, what do you think I was thinking about for those 12 hours? Because it was one of those moments where we're always thinking, we've got forever. And now I'm thinking, I don't know what's going on. And so in my mind, I'm going, what about this and what about that and blah, blah. And I'm thinking about all these things and I'm praying. And you know what? I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us you better number your days. Because how many of us have put things off and not redeemed our time because of an expectation we had that was wrong? Redeem the time. Pay attention to what's going on because God has blessed you, but you don't have forever. You don't have as much time as you think you do to figure things out. That's the truth. So how do we apply that? How do we take that in real life and apply it? Well, I'm going to show you here. We need to understand what redeem the time means. So we're going to go back and we're going to look at the Hebrew definition of redeem or redemption. It's in your notes there, so you might want to write it down. And here's how you find this. You look at the context, the religious context, the legal context, and the spiritual and social context of this word redemption to understand what God was saying. We need to understand this. Redeem the time. Here's what it means. To loose from a bond or handcuffs. To take the handcuffs off is to be redeemed. To set free from captivity. But captivity doesn't sound too bad, but slavery does. When you are redeemed, you you are set free from slavery. Things that have held you hostage When you are redeemed, you buy back something that is lost or sold. When you are redeemed, you exchange something in one person's possession for something possessed by another person. And then I love this last one. The last definition of redeemed is ransom. We've all seen those movies 
or somebody's held hostage and they said, you can come get them for $500. That's not very much, is it? No, let's say $5 million, right? I mean, that's the thing. There's always this huge sum for ransom. But can I tell you something that is absolutely the truth today? Jesus is called our Redeemer, and he is that. He exchanged his life for yours. He traded. He took your place. He bought you back when you were sold into slavery to sin. Jesus did that. He gave his life so that you could be free. He took off your handcuffs. He bought you back from slavery. You are in possession of the enemy, and Jesus purchased you with his very life. And so when we see Paul here saying that we need to redeem the time, we need to understand that God is giving us blessings, but he's giving us blessings for a purpose. And the purpose is we need to be redeeming the time. We need to be living life on purpose with a purpose. That's Facebook quotable. Somebody write that down. That was really good. But we need to live life with purpose on purpose. Because God has not just redeemed you so that you can do whatever it is you want to do. It's not that he doesn't want you to have fun, but he's redeemed you with a purpose. He's bought you for a reason. And so the question is, how am I living? God has blessed me. How am I living my life? What am I doing? Philippians 4 verse 9 says this. Whatever you have learned or received, or heard from me, this is Paul talking, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. See, it says, whatever you've learned, whatever you've received, you need to do something with it. You know, the challenge, one of the challenges, guys, with our, with our society, and this is all of us, is that we're a society of, of uh, watchers. We're not so participative. We're just, we're just watching what's going on. We're spectators. And God did not die through Jesus. Jesus didn't die so that you could just be a spectator. He died so that you could live and so that you could do. That's why he gave his life. That's why you've been redeemed. So what did Jabez teach us? I mean, God bless me, but don't let my blessing bring pain to anyone else. God, I want to receive your blessing, but I want to do something with it. I want to do good with it. And that was his motive. And God blessed that. And Jesus said, if you will do those things, you will have peace. How many of you, if you're honest right now, you don't have peace? You look at your life. And you're concerned about what's going on in the government. You're concerned about what's going on in the world. Your finances, health, there's not peace. You're in turmoil. You're sitting here right now, and you're in turmoil. And yet Jesus, when he promises us peace, he does not promise us that there will not be storms. As a matter of fact, he promises that there will be. But he also says, I'll give you peace, not from the storm, but in the storm. In the midst of turbulence, in the midst of trouble. And Paul is saying here, if we will receive the blessing that God has for us and then turn around and do something with it, he's going to give us peace. 
even in the midst of everything that's going on around us. So here's the thing. What does, and this is, this is just how my, my brain works. What does someone who has the power to bless and who themselves is blessed, how do they live that out in real life? I mean, what does that look like? You know, what does Jabez, see, we don't have a record of what Jabez did after the fact. We know he did good because God blessed him. We don't have a record of that. We do have a record somewhat of Solomon's life. But what about you? What are you doing with the blessing that God has given you? John chapter 13, verse 12 through 17 is an amazing section of the Bible. Because here's the thing. Jesus is God in the flesh. Jesus was blessed, but he also blessed others. And we need to look. If we want to look at somebody that's a model of this lifestyle, someone who lived this, then we need to look at him. And we need to look at how Jesus lived so that we can emulate that. Now, I want you to imagine for a moment, we just uh, took communion last week. I want you to imagine for a moment, it's the last night that Jesus is here on the earth before he's betrayed the next day and he's crucified. These are his last moments with his disciples in the upper room. And as they get ready to take communion, they haven't taken it yet, Jesus does something very interesting. The Bible tells us that while he's at the table with them, he gets up, he takes off his outer robe, wraps a towel around his waist, goes and grabs a bowl of water, and begins to wash his disciples' feet. Now, in that culture, in that time, if there was a slave or a servant in the house, the lowest possible job that you could have in the household was, was to be the foot washer. That was the entry-level position. Before you got to wash dishes, you wash feet. And so when Jesus gets up and does that, this made a massive impression on the disciples. So much so that Peter, when Jesus gets around to Peter, Peter says, Lord, you're not going to wash my feet. Right, Ricky? He said, you're not going to wash my feet. He said, you know, don't wash any of He said, I don't deserve that. And Jesus said, if I don't wash your feet, you're not clean. And Peter says, well, then wash all of me. But the actions that Jesus took taught us something that is so important for blessing. And I'm going to read this to you. And some of you are about to see something you've never seen before. But I think it's going to tie this all together. When Jesus had finished washing their feet, this is John 13, 12 through 17, he put his clothes back on, put on his jacket, returned to his place, and he says these words, do you understand what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so. Jesus said, you're right, that's who I am. For that is who I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, You should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Because listen, I want you to hear this right now. Listen to these next couple of sentences right here. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Verse 17 
Now that you know these things, you will be what? If you what? Be blessed if you do them. And when I saw that, I realized that the Son of God, the co-creator of the universe, in this moment, what was he doing? He was showing us what to do as a blesser and a blessing. This is how you act. Now imagine for a moment, guys, you in your life, you know you. Imagine if Jesus came to you and took your, your shoes off your feet and he began to wash your feet as an act of service. And he says, now I've showed you to do this. You need to go do the same. And if you do it, you will be blessed. And when he said that, when I read that, it all came together for me. See, Jabez in those moments said, God bless me to be a blessing. Solomon said, God, give me wisdom to lead your people. And God blessed him so that he could be a blessing. And then Jesus says, serve, serve. Look at your notes. Live, love, serve, and give like Jesus. Read that again. Live, love, serve, and give like Jesus. And he said, if you'll do that, you'll be blessed. And I want you to know, guys, it is so easy for us, and I'm talking about me too, where we want people to bless us, but Jesus is showing us that the key to being blessed is to give. And it doesn't make sense, does it? How can I be blessed if I'm serving? How can I be blessed if I'm washing people's feet? How can I be? That doesn't make any sense to me. It seems like blessing should be, here I am, let's lay it on me, God. And God goes, if you want to be blessed, serve. If you want to be blessed, give. If you want to be blessed, love unconditionally, by the way. That's what he's calling us to do. And I want you to know that that is the key to this whole thing. Because as we check our motives, and I know that's what this has been about for me the last few weeks. What are my motives? Are my motives good or not? Well, the truth is they're mixed. Sometimes my motives are really good. Sometimes my motives aren't. And as, as a child of God, and, and this is what I want you to hear, I believe this is what God has wanted for you today, is as he's searching your heart and you're allowing him to search your motives and you're saying, God, change me. And the way you act that out is to serve. You put on the servant's towel. Jesus said it this way. The greatest among you is the one who serves. Does anybody know what the definition of the word deacon is in Greek? Anybody know? Servant. Deacon means servant. Pastor is shepherd. You know, pastor is not the grand poobah with the hat. That's not me, okay? My job in this church is to be the lead servant. 
The deacon's job is to serve. But here's the truth. It's not just those positions. Everybody in the church, what Jesus is saying here is wash each other's feet. Because I want to tell you something. There's something amazing that happens in our lives when we get off the pedestal and we come down and we serve people around us. And I don't mean just looking them in the eye. I mean looking at their feet. And placing ourselves at that kind of level in our life. And Jesus says, when you live, love, give, and serve that way, you will be blessed. So here's the takeaway. God's great desire is to bless you. He wants to bless you to be a blessing to other people. But you can begin to walk in that now. And here's my question to you today. Are you living that way? Are you serving those around you? And, and here's, here's the way this works. It's not in here. Because it's easy to come in here, isn't it? For the most part, well, hello, brother. Hello, sister. I love you. Jesus, God bless you. And we just all love each other, don't we? We're all so perfect. I'm sorry, it's just me. My bad. Sorry, I didn't mean to put that on y'all. No, right? But we love each other. Why? Because it's easy in here, isn't it? It's hard out there. You know, pastor, how do I serve people that are mean to me? How do, I, how do I serve people that talk bad about me? How do I give to those that don't appreciate me? How do I, how do, I do that? How do I practically live out the gospel out there? I want you do it just what Jesus said. You wash their feet. You serve unconditionally, expecting nothing in return. And that's part of the problem. See, here's what we do, guys. We do that, and then we wait for some kind of response. And Jesus says, that's not why we do this. You do it expecting nothing. Wherever you are, whatever your job is, you're a nurse who serves. You're driving to serve. You're out on the road in the trucks to serve. Not to be served, but to serve. And then you will be blessed. So here's the thing, and I'm going to close. It's 1146. Surely I can sing a song, Marty. Shouldn't I sing? No. No. Come on, Dwight, help me out. Do you you get this, y'all? It's not what you think, is it? You are blessed to be a blessing. Here in a few weeks, that building's going to be open. Your faithfulness is fulfilling a 32-year commitment. And it's not the building. It's what's it going to do. I see hundreds of teenagers coming, some of them receiving Christ. And they're forever being changed. I see events being held out there where people find a place and they come to know Jesus because they're being served. Some of them for the first time. They're seeing the real gospel. I told you at the beginning of service today that our great desire is for you to become who Jesus has called you to be. And can I tell you something, folks? Primarily, that's for out there. That's for out there. 
Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I'm a city on a hill. And then he turned around at the end of his ministry and he turned around to us and he said, now you are the light of the world. Go shine. I love that. I love that. And how do you do it? Love, live, give, serve. And you will be blessed. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to turn the service over to Austin and we're going to close. But here's, the, here's how I want you to receive this today. You've got to allow God to search your heart. And then you've got to do like Taylor and Austin sang to us today with the worship team. I surrender all. Here I am, Lord. I surrender everything. I choose to love the unlovable. I choose to serve the unservable. I choose to reach out to the ones who will reject me because you did. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your great love for us, Lord. And and Father, we all want to be blessed today. Each of us here, we want to receive your blessing. And that's a good thing. But Lord, as we pray that, I pray that you would search our heart, Lord, our secret motive. Why do we want to be blessed? Are our motives pure? And Father, for those of us where our motives are not, and I am under that, I qualify for that too many times, Lord, change my heart. Change my heart, Lord. And so each one of us here, Lord, as we pray that, I pray that we would just ask you to change us, test our motives. And then, Lord, as we surrender our lives today, help us to walk out of this place committed to love and to serve and to to all those around us, those that, Father, are underneath our leadership. Lord, help us to serve them. For those we serve alongside, Lord, help us to wash their feet, to love them unconditionally, expecting nothing in return. Help us to do that, Father. And most of all, Lord, most of all, help us to love and serve our families. Our first ministry is our home. Our first ministry is our household. Lord, help us to love and serve and give to our family. And then, Lord, help us to walk out into this world and love and serve and give to those around us. Help us to point people to you, Lord. And in that way, we will be blessed. Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Pastor Chris is making his way out to the lobby. So if you're new with us, he'd love to meet you. Um, kind of my big takeaway from this series is what Pastor Chris just said is checking your motive. Um, and there's, there's something so powerful about that because sometimes our motive is something that we don't even realize. And sometimes that just takes going before the Lord and, and saying, where am I in this situation and, and what, what do I need to do? 
And um, I was just thinking about as he was preaching, you know, we hear the phrase, what would Jesus do? Well, yeah, that's really cool to think about and to, to apply to our life. But, but what if we said, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do in this kind of situation? What did he do? How did he treat this kind of person? So it's not necessarily what would he do, but we go back to the scriptures and say, what did Jesus do? And that's what I can do in this situation, and, and especially when it comes to checking our motives. So I just kind of leave you with that, but let me pray for you um, as we go this morning. Lord, I pray for every person here. God, I pray that as we go through this week, God, that we would search our hearts. God, that we would search for the things that may be impure, that may be um, a bad motive. And God, I pray that you would reveal those to us so that we can deal with it and that we can do what you would do. In your name I pray, amen. That concludes our service. We're so glad to see you. We love you. Have a good week.